Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hard to believe we've got the third major coming up for golf. Uh, U.S. Open, George Savarikas, golf play-by-play voice, uh, joins us in about an hour and 15 minutes from right now. Chad, um, Sue Bird, she is retiring from the from basketball, the swan song, and Megan Rapino. They, they have they have dated for a while, I believe. Are they officially married at this point? I'm trying to look that up. They got engaged in 2020. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to see if they are married or not. Still a couple, though. Yes, we still can together. say that. Um, There's been no uh, conscious. Un- what is it? Uncoupling. What is it that? Um, breakup. No, uh, what is it that uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, um, conscious uncoupling is what her and Brad Pitt went through at some point and others, right? (laughs) Whatever they call it. Uh, So Megan Rapinoe, in a uh, speech at the the ceremonies for Sue Bird, uh, claims that uh, Sue Bird may be, uh, and she uses the quote, arguably the greatest athletes in history for any sport. Yes, that's what Rapino was saying. Now, when I see this versus read it, I'm thinking, uh, is it is it expected as you know, happy wife, happy life, that you have to go over the top in 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 awe of what was such a long and dominant career because. Twitter had a field day with this. Social media responding uh, to Rapino's quote on Sue Bird saying, congratulations on, like, arguably the best career that anyone has ever had in the history of any sport ever. Um, I mean, when you hear this, you're kind of like, well, I mean, is this like the guy who's got to say something nice at the speech, you know, to, to the way he's not, he's not going to hear about it on the drive home? Do you think it was warranted based on the relationship? Or is this... And the backlash that was received on social, which a lot of it is hilarious. Um, I mean, I'm guessing that's also warranted, too. Well, you know, this is like, uh, let's go to LeBron James' wife to have her weigh in on the LeBron versus Michael debate. That's what, yeah, that's uh, what Mrs. Is. James, Savannah James, what do you think? You know, I think my husband arguably has had the best career of anyone in NBA history. This is not exactly an uh, impartial mediator that right. we're talking to. It's the woman's wife, partner. I, I can't still cannot find if they're technically married right now or not, but they got engaged in 2020. So I don't really care what the, you know, the spouse of someone says about their career in regards to its historical context. But let me give you a stat line. 11.7 points, 5.6 assists, and 2.5 rebounds in 580 career games. She averaged less than 12 points per game over the course of her career. I think most of you watching are pretty familiar with the game of basketball. That's not a lot. This, there's no argument here. She's not arguably the best at anything. She's not arguably the best women's basketball player of all time, much less of every sport out there, men's basketball included, and everyone else. Megan Rapino, also, who will not step up 
and say that biological women should compete against biological women, maybe should think about the context of that if Sue Bird had to compete against men who identified as women that then played against her in the WNBA. Her point total may have gone down from 11.7 points per game to zero points per game because she would not have had a career. So also think about that and what's happening is what I would tell Megan Rapino. This is a ridiculous argument made by someone who has no impartiality on this. It is their lover they're discussing, and it's a ridiculous statement that I am thrilled that most of the internet has completely bashed from start to finish the moment she made this claim because yeah. it is an absurd statement. Absurd, but it's. I, I also think it is kind of tongue in cheek. I mean, she's uh, averaging. I, I mean, it's. It, she's averaging Marcus Smart numbers. That was pointed out on social media. Eleven point uh, seven points wanna, per game. You want to go through the, the stat lines? I mean, again, uh, you know, the headline <laughs> leaves out arguably as if it's some definitive statement. Um, yeah, I don't. I think. I think it was more. Uh, I better say this. I better put this. Uh, you know, like. Arguably the best career yeah, ever. Congrats, c- babe. Congratulations on, like, arguably the best career that anyone has ever had in the history of any sport ever. Yeah. May have been also a bit of a joke. I do like the person who says, doesn't even have the greatest career for a player with the last name Bird. <laughs> a picture of Larry True. Bird. Yeah. <laughs> Holding up the Larry O'Brien trophy. Someone said, don't respect, don't disrespect Brady like, like that. Uh, and much more. Um, but, hey, um, she got a headline. <laughs> sure. I mean, honestly, like, I, a part of me has to tip my cap a little bit because are we talking about Sue Bird's being Sue Bird being honored by the Seattle Storm? No. On today's show? If if she doesn't say that. Chad, we're talking more WNBA when we wear football today. I mean, <laughs> I mean come on. I mean Megan Rapino, you did it. You got us to talk WNBA. WNBA and trans, baby. Congrats. You got well us done. to talk WNBA. Well done. Um, Just by saying that one statement. Yes. Uh, I I'm not a big fan of John Sterling. And the over-the-top calls. Ma- mainly because it's so forced and rehearsed. You can tell it's rehearsed based on who hits the homer. But man, do I have a newfound respect for John Sterling at 84 years old. Justin Turner fouled off a pitch that came up into the Yankees radio booth and hit Sterling in the head during the middle of the at-bat on a 3-2 count. Now the 3-2 swung on, a pop foul back here. Ow! 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 It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. So once again, it'll be a 3-2. And Holmes ready to deal. A ground ball to third. Donaldson squares, throws to first, in time. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees when you know that foul ball actually hit me it kind of glanced off my forehead so I took one for the team okay John um, my best driver of the game is Kyle Higashioka who wants to know if you're all right so are you okay John yes okay I, yes. I am okay just a glancing blow just a glancing blow I mean He's bandaged up. He knows how to play hurt. This. He knows how to play hurt after taking He's a shot back. with a bat. He had uh, missed like 20 the, games or something game. recently too. He at one point, I believe, Chad, he had he had uh, called 5,000 consecutive games in a row without missing a game. That that's impressive. Didn't you? It, it, oh, did you I, meet I have, him in Atlanta? I have a great John Sterling story. 
Um, but first up, well done. Uh, yeah, glad, I, glad that he's okay for taking the shot with the bat. Yeah. Continue to go. He is a little bit over the top. He is a little bit like old timey, you know, baseball announcer guy for me with some of the things that he does. I do love the hand gesture on the Yankees win. He yeah. gives a big fist bump at the end of it, which was cool to see. Uh, so John Sterling, this is probably 2009, 2010, uh, working at Atlanta Braves game with a radio show I'm a part of. And he is a guest on our show. And this is probably <laughs> mid-July in Atlanta at the old Turner Field. It is 97 degrees with a heat index of uh, the sun on this day. And this interview is at probably 3.30 in the afternoon. John Sterling comes down on time, which I appreciate, to do this interview. Right on time. We are in the concourse, but it's the outside part of the concourse. There is just <laughs> sun beating down on us. No escaping the sun on this day. This man is in a black pinstripe, full suit, buttoned up, and he is barely sweating. I mean, his head, you can see on his brow, he's got some sweat, but barely sweating, full suit. And he comes and sits down, and I tell him, we've got about three or four minutes before the interview goes live. And John Sterling just breaks out a book. He's got the latest science fiction novel that he's, he's reading. And he's just Manifesto. reading the book. He's not reading stats. He's not looking at his phone. He's not going through anything. He just carried a book in his coat pocket and pulls it out for moments like this when he has three minutes. And he just sat and read and didn't speak. And then when it's time for the interview, put the book down, put it back in his jacket, and started the interview. I, I was, quite frankly, impressed. Not impressed with some of the theatrics that he does, but I was impressed that day, and Hutton – I'm impressed Me once too. again after he took the shot Props. with the baseball bat in the head. And then he picks right back up and He's ready to uh, go. has the final call. It's not like it's the middle of the sixth. You no. Know? Right there at the end of the game? I, I believe Justin Turner signed a baseball and sent it to him. I do. I am curious what he had finished if it happened in the third inning. He, said uh, he, he was knew it was almost over then. He's calling the very next game. Yeah. He was right back in it. Well done. He was shocked, though. I mean, I would be, too. Oh, it hit me. Because you're watching different things on the diamond, on the foul tip, you're to see what's going on, right? And then you get hit in the face with a baseball. It's not. It's never what you're expecting. You can look. You can watch the game and see a foul ball. Yeah. But when a bat is shattered and breaks off into the stands, that's what you're not looking for. Zach Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, the best of teammates. Zach Wilson grew up. His favorite player growing up playing football was Aaron Rodgers. Uh, here is here's Wilson now, the backup in New York for the Jets on what it's like being teammates with A. Rod. What was your initial reaction? How did you feel? Yeah, I mean, of course, I would like to be the guy. So, you know, at first, um, you know, you're not always happy about that. But you know, I'm extremely psyched that out of any quarterback we could have brought in, it, it was him. You know, and. I had been talking with him, you know, this offseason. I was, I was with him, you know, early in the offseason before any of this kind of was even getting talked about. And so we got to spend some time together, and um, it was really cool to kind of see how it all went together. And, you know, I have to look at kind of where I'm at as a quarterback and how I can look to, to be the best I can be. And, and I do think this could be a big part of it. You know, I think what he brings to the table, what Coach Hack and, and, and Downing bring to the table could be really good for me in my development and, and then this offense, of course, too. I like how Wilson's approaching this. He has no choice. But, I mean, it is interesting that based on comments he made last year following the loss that he didn't think, like, the offense was holding the defense back. 
He lost a lot of respect in the locker room. I thought the Jets would move on from him. It's been the opposite. And honestly, it's kind of the opposite feel that we had for Rodgers and Jordan Love versus Rodgers and Zach Wilson. But Wilson did say, like, hey, if they bring a veteran in here, I'm going to make their life a living hell. Here's what Rodgers had to say about how he's been teammates with Wilson so far. Handle that, and what have you seen from his approach? Yeah, he's been incredible. You know, he hasn't made my life hell every day. Uh, yeah, certainly not. Yeah, he kept receipts on that statement is what I take from that also with Aaron Rodgers. All and, of a sudden. And a tongue-in-cheek comment. Now, Wilson, um, I like how he's handling this. He still – comes across to me as um, childlike, especially in comparison to Aaron Rodgers. Just wow. he, and he's he's so much younger. I I understand that, but even with the lack of accountability last year, he's just always and maybe he figures it out and has a great career. He comes across as a little twelve-year-old boyish to me in how he addresses people and everything about him. Well, and all of a sudden Rodgers is coming off like a great teammate. You know, I know it's mandatory minicamp, but he was showing up right after he was signed and he wasn't doing that a year ago in Green Bay. And it's a, you know, for all the discussion about the New York media, Chad, I, I, have you seen anything as far as negative headlines and how Rodgers has approached this? If this no, were last I, year compared to this year, well, no. that would be all of the talk. No, and I think there's two different things here. I, I don't know that Rodgers has ever been cast as a bad teammate. Guys who play with him love him. His offensive linemen love him. He's got close relationships with guys. guys he's played with. But even, you know, last year with the, the – but that situation wasn't about Christian Watson. It was about his disdain for the organization. Aaron Rodgers is not a bad teammate. Aaron Rodgers is a bad employee. There's a, there's a difference between the two. I think that's how yeah. he's been cast is everything he's done to not show up or not respond to calls or text has all been about his disdain – for the Green Bay Packers management under Brian Gutenkist after he was not informed about the drafting of Jordan Love. When that moment happened, their relationship was forever broken. And he played through it, and he showed up when he had to, and he went out and won an MVP after that also. Didn't win a Super Bowl, two though. So I think, what, did he get two of them after the back-to-back? After, back. after the, the drafting of it? I thought he had one, then got one more after Jordan Love was drafted. But regardless... I think it's it's more about him being a bad employee than a bad teammate. So now that he's in lockstep with his new organization and his bosses, he's back to looking like a good everything again. Good teammate, good employee. Yeah, but I think that the the criticism would be, oh, he's talking about winning MVPs in New York and not Super Bowls, right? But he's he said that now. But he's like, can I go win an MVP again? Yeah, I can. You know, the, the immediate response was, well, I, you know, the Brady's talking about titles not 50 million dollars and i think that was the rub in green bay was that look that is going to be the rub on him if yeah. he doesn't win one more i mean if he yeah. only wins the one title early in his career as a starter that's always going to be the criticism i believe aaron Rodgers is so smart that when he says things like this he's already setting up his defense and here's what i mean by that he knows that if he doesn't go to new york and win a super bowl he's going to be deemed a failure to have that level of talent, only win one Super Bowl. So when he says, could I win MVP again? Yes. He's not talking about titles because years from now, he's going to be saying, I can't win a title on my own. I can control myself. I was good enough to win three MVPs or four MVPs or whatever it was, but everything around me with the organization is out of my control. Tom Brady's so different because he was raised in a culture 
of championships from the very first time he stepped on the field with the Patriots. So it was always a little bit different for him. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying in his mind, this is the ultimate defense of his legacy and career is saying the MVPs are under my control. Super Bowl rings aren't always under my control based on everything around me. There was a, a recent report that the Memphis Tigers could be on a, a, on a list for the Big 12 as far as vetting programs and universities uh, to potentially join the conference whenever it decides to expand again. And the talk is it's coming from the Pac-12. Uh, but, Chad, th- there are ways to deny a report, and then there are ways to just slam the door shut. And Brett Yormark, Big 12 commissioner, did just that in regards to any rumor that the Big 12 was considering Memphis as one of the possible additions to the Power Five and specifically the Big 12. Where Pete Thamel tweeted out on Friday, just spoke to Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark about the multiple reports that the Big 12 has met with Memphis. Quote, I've never met with anyone at Memphis about adding them to the Big 12, nor have I been on campus. Meaning, we're not interested. Unless they are. But I think this is more about making sure that the top universities in the Pac-12 know there is priority and then there's nothing else on what we're looking to add. If I'm Memphis, I absolutely leak this out. I want to be mentioned. Yeah. But the Big 12 doesn't gain anything by having Memphis mentioned with the schools that they're currently trying to recruit, like Colorado, Arizona, Utah, Arizona State, and others that would make a ton of sense for the Big 12 for where they sit currently. I think Memphis has always been one of those programs and how they're covered by the media. It's a very defensive program. Yes. They're very defensive about their place in the larger sports landscape. They're defensive about their place as a major American city. Always defensive. And I do think that the writers and media members that cover that market – and cover that program, take on that level of defensiveness about what Memphis is and what the Memphis Tigers program is currently and could be and should be. And this, to me, is another one of those types of stories that they are quick to buy into the Big 12, wanting to add Memphis, because they are damn certain that Memphis deserves better than what they're currently getting and is more big-time than they actually are. And they should be more big-time in the eyes of major conferences. And this is Brett Yormark coming out and saying, you're nothing. You're you're not big time to the Big 12 right now. And that hurts if you're someone who covers that program or attached to that program. Yeah, but doesn't it also make sense, um, given the fact that the Big 12 is adding Cincinnati and Houston and and, uh, what UCF uh, and BYU? Like, especially the first three I mentioned, Houston and Cincinnati, for instance, Memphis has always been... In, in lockstep in many ways with what they've done athletically. Yeah, it's the old Metro Conference. Yeah, so whenever you see Memphis, you're like, oh, well, I mean, Cincinnati but, but and see Houston that, are there. Th- to me, the dream died when they weren't one of those teams. When it was UCF and not them and not the old old school Metro Conference of Houston, Cincinnati, yeah. Memphis. Like that's, I mean, I, I'm not believing that they're going to be mentioned alongside Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. No. But, they're, they're, but I think someone, someone bought this into This is that. the leak in order to get mentioned again Yeah, along, alongside the likes of Cincinnati. And I'm not and saying it'll never happen. I'm just saying I, that to me it feels like that part of the dream dies with when they added those other teams. Here's the other thing, too. They're talking about basketball only 
you know, additions. Yeah. Like Gonzaga being a part of it. And there's not a lot of mention of Memphis with that either. And that's got to be disheartening if you're a Memphis fan. I, I mean, I get it. Was well, that just because that Gonzaga doesn't have football? Well, Gonzaga, UConn are two that I've seen okay. that the Big 12 wants to add. But those are be- – obviously, Gonzaga doesn't have football at all. Right. But UConn, you're still adding for basketball and not football. That would be the reason. Yeah. Yeah, Memphis – But football's Me- the driver. Penny Hardaway should have that – the brand should be associated if it's basketball only. Memphis is a basketball edition obtain, too. Obtain, yes, yes. A very special guest each week on the show. Charlie Arnold joins us. Uh, last week, Chad – we had uh, the, the discussion about uh, a judge's ruling. Yeah. We were trying to have a definitive take uh, collectively on what could be a 50-50 proposition. Chad apparently visits and, and gets invited to a lot of dinner parties. Um, so when we come back, we have a judge's ruling, and Charlie's going to help us with this, on proper etiquette based on Chad's very quaint dinner party. That's next on Hot Mike. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Monday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Coming up, we preview the U.S. Open and a big discussion on Liv and the PGA Tour. They're now unified. It's no longer a merger. Now, Let's not yeah. use that okay. word. Get to remove that from that the press from the vocabulary. release. George Savarikas will so, join an us. An alliance. Yes. We have formed an alliance. A golf play-by-play of voice. He'll join us coming up in about an hour from right now. But without further ado, a very special guest. Very special. Very special guest. Charlie Arnold joins us from OutKick. Charlie, good to see you. Hope things are well. How's the uh, the early week going? The week is going great so far. You know, I had a nice bright and early wake-up call, 4 a.m., because I was on Fox & Friends first Okay. Um, at 5.52. So, you know, early start to the day. Um, but yeah, everything's good. It's, I have no complaints really. Hey, so I, I, you can relate to where I'm taking this story. Um, but Mega Rapinoe in a, uh, ceremony for Sue Bird's retirement, of course they're, they're engaged. They've been a longtime couple. Rapinoe says, congratulations on like arguably the best career that anyone has ever had in the history of any sport ever. Uh, she said that about Sue Bird, her, her fiance, uh, this, I believe, on the same day, if not the day after, um, Amanda Nunes retired as the double champ in UFC at UFC 289 and uh, hung it up, calling it quits. And in fact, I believe that the discussion is there's no other group of women fighters right now in the UFC that may do away with one of, one of the divisions altogether because Nunes was so dominant. Wow. Yeah. I actually didn't even know about that. That's really interesting to hear, but I'm not surprised. Um, they were always, you know, looking to match fighters and it's been a little bit of a struggle. And that's why when there is a big 
female fight, like it's really celebrated. Um, Amanda Nunes, wow, going out seriously on top. I mean, that's the the way that you want to ride off into the sunset. She's done it all. There's nothing more that she can do. I don't think she really perceived anyone as even being a remote threat, you know? So it's like at that point, it kind of loses a little bit of the gusto for you, if you will. You know, like, what's the challenge here? Like, I'm breaking my body down at least once a year uh, to defend one of two championships. And it's just her wife, uh, Nina, was already retired. She retired, I believe it was this past summer. I think she retired um, and, you know, they have a little girl and I think they're just ready to start the new chapter of, of their life together. And I have so much respect for Amanda and I'm I'm excited to see what she accomplishes next. So, you know, cheers to the champ, the, the double champ. Yeah, that was truly dominant in that regard. No, no doubt. Be- you mean better than you a- know what? She just looks so good. Like she went like for, from a physical standpoint, but also just there was something about her in this fight, maybe because she knew it was her last fight, like. Right when she walked into the octagon or she was walking out, I'm like, did she do some type of stem cell, like age reduction <laughs> Oh, you're therapy? saying that there was a glow. You're saying there's Fantastic. a glow. Fantastic. Yeah. Much like Chad today. Yeah, it's a blood spinning. That's what all of the best do. Me, Amanda Nunez, PRP. Yeah, blood spinning's big. Um, better than 11.7 points per game. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, uh, like exactly. Stuart is what you're saying. So our founder, OutKick founder, Clay Travis... Uh, has long said that if you go woke, you go broke. And there seems to be an example of that with with Bud Light and declining sales after their marketing decision. Now, Mark Cuban has come back and refuted that and said it's actually a very good business decision to go woke, and the top 10 corporations in the world go woke, and it does not affect them and their bottom line, and says don't look at the stock price, don't look at sales, it's temporary, People will find something else to be angry about soon enough, and none of it matters. What say you, Charlie, about what Mark Cuban had to say? Well, there's a few things. A, I think that's very stupid advice from what you know, who's considered one of the top investors in the country. And it's funny because Kevin O'Leary, his shark shark tank counterpart, was just on Hannity the other night, literally preaching the opposite. Keep politics out of your consumers agenda like they just want to buy your product that's what they're here for they, they're not interested in in whatever politics you follow or abide by uh so it's very stark contrast here and i think what, what we're seeing with bud light i mean listen of all places to use as an example if you want to use adidas like oh look they they did a little woke uh marketing scheme you know with the I guess unisex or whatever they marketed the the witness no, wasn't even unisex that's that's giving them too much credit they took the women's bathing suit and put a man in it. Um, if you want to use that, yeah, I don't think Adidas suffered too much. I mean, it was one it was one piece of apparel out of one line. So it wasn't so detrimental. But Bud Light, how in the world are you going to use Bud Light? I mean, they have suffered billions and billions of dollars of losses and have shown no signs of rebounding. And it's because they only have one product. It's beer. It's the one thing that they sell. So why does someone, if they could buy Coors Light or Miller Light or Natty Light or Bush Light, which if you ask me, you know, not a not, not such a beer connoisseur, but I don't think these are considered beer connoisseurs beers anyways. No. Uh, they all say the same. They all cost the same. And it's far less embarrassing now to be drinking one of the other beers. In fact, there was a guy walking down the street the other day in New York City 
I couldn't help myself. He was carrying a case of Bud Light and I was like, Bud Light, nice. <laughs> and his face just totally went so red. So he knew what it, you were talking about? Of course he did. Wow. I mean, listen, I will say in some of the bodegas here in New York, sometimes the uh, the inventory <laughs> might be slightly different. So that's the only excuse I will give him because he even he was like a fratty type guy, like, you know, kind of like a big, like more muscly jacked, like, you know, with his 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 bro, whatever. It looked like they were heading to play like some beer pong somewhere. But uh, yeah, I just I couldn't help myself. Hey, so and I know I'm not the only one that passes judgment now when someone is seen carrying or drinking a Bud Light. And so I think for Mark Cuban to make this uh, type of investment. delivery. It just makes no sense because he also knows that the top 10 companies, uh, you know, we all talk about the ESG scores and how important they are to get funding and investors. So every single company seems to be going woke right now, but that doesn't mean that uh, there's finding any success other than the fact that they might get more investors from doing stuff like that. Yeah. It sounds like an owner who uh, has an arena down in Dallas. It's got a lot of cold beer in the fridge. It's not being purchased. Um, I mean, for concerts and other things. Also, natural Natty Light, by the way, is uh, that was the college beer of choice because it it was marketed. It was so cheap, but it was marketed. Chat, you you get it by the case for frat parties. Yeah, and it was it was marketed as having extra ingredients, but the extra ingredients were just high fructose corn syrup, formaldehyde, and cereal grains. It was like an extra. That's they put that in there for like the the extra ingredients to just make it taste like. Kind of like beer. It's why it went great with oh. Frosted Flakes the next morning. Yeah. Every time. It we was were, the cereal grains that we were We were the Natty Daddies, uh, Chad, back in the... This was how long ago? Uh, 20 years ago now? Something like that. Yeah. We don't need to get specific on yeah. the time. But uh, Bud Light was way ago. out of our price range, is what we're saying, Charlie. Yeah, for sure. And I actually saw the other day, which was new to me, because I'd never seen a Bush Light <laughs> ad before. I don't know if that's something new uh, that they're doing now, because they feel like this is the time to really bring in those extra customers, but I saw a Bush Light ad and I was like, oh, we're advertising Bush Light now. Okay, got it. So judges ruling. We stumbled upon this last week, Charlie, in one of our very special segments with you, where we're going to make the determination, the three of us right now, on a social norm. And the one I want to make at this point is we need a ruling on this. You're invited to a dinner party, anyone out there, invited to a dinner party, someone's house for a party, whatever it may be. You ask the host, what can I bring, as most people would do, and they say absolutely nothing. Do you still feel obligated to bring a bottle of wine or something to the dinner party, even if the host tells you you don't need to bring anything? Charlie, you weigh in on this first. 1,000%, you never show up empty-handed. That is just the most impolite move in the book. Um, when I ask if I can bring something, it means, can I bring a dish? Even if you tell me you don't need me to bring a dish of food, you 1000% show up with a bottle of wine. Like that is just, that's written in the Bible. As far as you ask me easy. I, I, what kind of party am I going to here? Well, just like any gathering, you know, it's, uh, am I going to your backyard? 20 people. Well, like sometimes, you know, you might show up somewhere very informal and it's like, yeah, you know, we'll have this, this, and this to eat. A dinner party is never informal. Come on. A dinner party is 
No, never you're right. You're right. Dinner dinner party. I, I should probably take I'm a dinner party. I'm exaggerating that on Chad's behalf a bit. Yeah, because I don't go to a lot of dinner parties, obviously. <laughs> uh, obvi. obvi. No, no, I'm no, not no hosting, hosting. Hosting, I'm saying. I don't host or go to a lot of dinner parties. But there are times where it's like, hey, we're going to have people over to eat. We're doing this. Especially, I, I know this with kids. And they'll ask, what can I bring? And the response usually is, bring, we, we'll have beer or we have bourbon and wine. Bring whatever else you want to drink. Or bring mixers. Mm-hmm. Like the response is, whatever you want to drink, bring that, and we'll have a few things on our own. There are times I've gone places and been invited to dinner party. And they say, "Do not bring a thing. We have too much here already." And they're including wine in that. Now, if that's the stipulation, I kind of fall with Charlie, and then I'd still feel like we got to bring something. You bring something to the table, no matter what, yeah, you just, even you just, if they're you telling you not to. Here's the thing. It's not even about what do you need for this particular dinner. It's saying thank you for having me over and for providing dinner. I mean, that's just it's just a, a little tiny gift of appreciation. Is there a level though? Like if you say, "Hey, can I bring something?" Is there a level that in a response that's too needy? Um. Oh, oh, like for the host? Yeah, like, like hey, bring up. Like, oh, actually, you know what? Yes, you can actually bring a bottle of Classe Azul. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah. No. grab a, grab a bottle of Camus on or your way. Or like too much effort. Like if, if, if they, if someone like made a great dessert and you're like, you know, can you make that coconut cream pie that you made? <laughs> and it takes a lot of time like that. I didn't feel like, oh, I, th- that person's being invited just to bring that dessert that they make. Yeah. I think if you're going to host people, you, you host them right so, now. We're going so to the flip I- side of this, like have everything ready at the house would be my, my take on that. So I actually host some dinner parties myself and I generally will just say, just come with a bottle of wine. Like I put specifically bring yourself in a bottle of wine because I expect, because I I'm not, I'm not paying for the alcohol and the food. I, I have the food, you bring the alcohol and that's how I do it. But actually now that I'm doing these dinner parties, cooking for like larger groups is tough. So I think I'm going to also pivot to, this is me as a host. Bring an item of food and a bottle of wine. I mean, that's fine. Like if you're, it, because also you got to thank the person for using their home to host. So yeah. that's a big part of it, is getting it clean and ready to go, which takes a lot of effort. Now, do you judge someone based on the price of the bottle of wine they they bring you? If they no, go really honestly, inexpensive, I don't really know. I'm not. I'm not such a wine snob where I'm like, oh, this is from the bottom shelf, or oh, this is the media, the mid shelf. You know, that's. Uh, I don't, I don't know that much. I feel like, you know, the, the wine, Justin. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I feel like Justin is a very, just like go-to, like it's not so expensive, but it's not cheap. It's like 15 bucks. It's like that to me is for me at least like, that's my go-to type of thing. I'm like, okay, this is a good, like medium range thing where it tastes fine and, uh, no one will get sick from it. And it's a, it's a respectable enough name. Like, yeah, like you said, Jonathan, I'm not bringing the Camus. Um, unless you are my best friend or a family member. So you're hosting the dinner party. Uh, uh, Charlie Arnold with us uh, from, from Outkick. Um, how often are you asked if the person you're inviting can bring a plus one? And what is your reaction? Uh, so the particular dinner parties that I host um, are invite only because I have to keep them small because I only have seating for enough people. Okay. Um, but... Generally speaking, I mean, if if it's not like a sit down situation, 
I say the more the merrier. I'm always, I'm always up for meeting new people. So I like the idea of plus ones. And, you know, a lot of times people don't like to show up in situations where they're like, oh, I might not know anybody. So they feel more comfortable bringing a plus one. So hey, if there's space, by all means, just make sure your friend also brings a bottle of wine. Have you ever felt uncomfortable asking the person inviting you to something, may I bring this person or may I bring it's this really plus a, one if they don't specify? It's really about weddings though, isn't it? Yeah, I would never show up to a wedding with a, if, with a plus one if you didn't weren't specifically granted one. Uh, but you know what? I always find it funny too when, well, I actually haven't experienced this in quite a while, but if you have an out-of-town wedding, you have to provide plus ones. Because a lot of people, I mean, unless it's, I don't know, maybe there's certain scenarios, but I feel like if you were expecting me to travel across the country, then I get to bring a date because... That also means then I can split the hotel room costs with a date yes. type potentially. You know, it also means that all the logistics, I don't have to travel alone. I don't have to, you know, the wedding only takes up X number of hours over the course of the weekend. And usually they have like you fly in on a Friday and leave on a Sunday or something like that. So, you know, it's nice to have a little companion. So that's kind of my rule of thumb is if you are having an out of town wedding, you must allow your guests your friends, you know, usually your family members usually are like coupled up or, um, you know, whatnot. I, I suppose, you, you know, there's, they're more of their dynamic, but yeah, your friends definitely get a plus one and that's not a question. What's the schedule for the rest of the week for you for Fox or just coming up immediately? Let's see what's coming up. Oh, you'll be excited. I have UFC this week. Nice. I'm heading out to Vegas on Thursday. Um, so I'll be doing that. And then as far as Fox goes, I have, um, Fox business, the evening edit tomorrow. And then I'm on with Brian Kilmeade uh, at 8 PM tomorrow on Fox Wednesday. I'm doing uh Hannity. And then Thursday, I've got the bottom line with, uh, Deegan and Sean before I head out to Vegas, to head to the desert. Uh, she's a guest on those shows. She's the special, special guest, guest here on, uh, special guest. Mike. With Hutton with her. Charlie, always good to and see I'm you. Sorry. Hey, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Sorry, I did not bring a bottle of wine. Maybe next time I'll have I, one sent up before I appear. Just show us yeah. your bottle of wine. Oh, right. by the way, this I've just been, in. Uh, Justin Wines is actually using Dylan Mulvaney in their latest ad campaign. <laughs> so you may have to get a new new wine now. Of course, I'm, she of course, has I'm, the, uh, she has of course the, I'm kidding. There it is. This is Silver Oak, too. This is a that's legit. Bottle. That's legit. Yeah, that, I would, that would that would be acceptable at uh, at Chad's dinner party. Show us your bottle every time now, Charlie, as, as a special guest when you join us. Show us show us the bottle you're working with. Each, I should do visit. that. And next time, I promise you, I will not wear my bodysuit on the outside of my <laughs> leggings that you would see my bottom half. Uh, it's all good. Have a great week. No judgment here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Charlie Arnold, uh, great having her on uh, as a part of Outkick now and uh, with us on Mondays. Uh, here on Hot Mike. Uh, we were going to play a video. We, I, I want to get to this later, Davey. I, I know there was like a technical issue where she could not see the video we we're going to play. Um, but have you seen the British guardsman who just collapses in the heat and it, but while he's like he's doing some ceremonial thing with Prince William? We've got that coming back. Uh, Can't wait to see it. <laughs> and we, we will do you that. You sold it so well. Uh, but they, they don't help him. Yeah. They do not help. Hey, I, show I am goes amazed on. by this. Show goes on. That the dude could be dead, and you know they're just standing there, not not allowed to move. Uh, but who is being asked to move? Are students who were expelled for rioting after UConn's title? That's next on Hot Mike.
You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Chad, for the life of me, I don't know. Have you ever felt like you were so excited in celebration that you just wanted to go destroy something? Like oh, yeah. vandalize something? Well, not, not full destruction, but maybe like, you know, get your clothes a little messy by throwing stuff up in the air. Yeah. Well, you, you know where I'm taking this. Where yeah. UConn wins the title. Burning couches. April You're 3rd. going in that direction. Not even that. I mean, th- these were full-on riots. And stores where, I mean, you had uh, the, the final buzzer sounds in Houston. And, I mean, cars were flipped over. Light poles were ripped down. Uh, and then the, those poles were then used as a battering ram to take down locked doors. You know, it, it, you had multiple arrests. Um, you had, uh, I mean, it just... It's, I don't know how to describe that mentality. Uh, it, your team wins a national title... So you're going to go vandalize someone else's property and potentially cause harm to them. So more than a dozen students from UConn were charged for, and in some cases, rioting. And 16 people were hospitalized from that night. Uh, minor injuries is what they were treated for. Of those, at least a dozen, maybe a little more than a dozen, have been expelled from college. I commend this. Now, you can appeal, but many of them have already tried to appeal, and they were told to, you know, see ya. You knock down the door we're going to tell you to leave out of, but, you know, have fun at community college if you can get in there now. Um, I don't know where the, where the craziness ensues over, and it's not just being drunk. I mean, that's, I mean, it, Broadway isn't burned to a crisp every night here in Nashville, and there are plenty of, plenty of people that, you know, are blacked out. Uh, on a nightly basis there. I don't, I don't understand it at all. And this is beyond burning couches in, in Lexington. I think the alcohol just fuels some people to let that fire burn within that just really wants to break stuff. And I think it just comes out in these moments. It's not right, and they should be expelled. And I'm glad that UConn expelled those students, but it's the alcohol making you more of what you already are and if you're an arson, an arsonist, then you go burn things. If you want to vandalize, you're a vandal. Then when you get drunk, you go vandalize things. And yeah, that's but I what, think they, that's what they are. Well, but arson, or if you're an arson, you're going to do that anyway. You don't. It doesn't take a victory in a national well, title this game is to their do excuse. that. They're, right? they're seeing this as their excuse to go do it and get away with it. Yeah, that's so stupid. Um, I would be looking for an excuse to help out my friend if I'm a a member of the British. Uh, Guard, here's the British Guardsmen. They're they're performing some ceremony with Prince William, and it's like 30 degrees Celsius, uh, which is like what 85 degrees. They're in full regalia, uh, what trumpets and everything here, and he just collapses from heat exhaustion, and they just keep playing. Prince William doesn't know anything that's going on behind him here. They're playing behind the prince, and meanwhile. 
you have the guy who finally comes to, and they've got the medical personnel rushing over. But I mean, I would think at least one. Can you do away with at least one horn and like help out your guy who just collapsed? Now at least his buddy it, does grab his arm at one point, tries to steady him <laughs> when he stands back up. How about his? He stands. He stands back up, and he's ready to get right back into it. But I mean, at that point, I don't. I wouldn't know if the dude had a heart attack or he had if heat exhaustion. I mean, I gotta. I gotta rush to his aid here. You know how they it's always say guardsman. when you see a royal wedding or a coronation, like you know, only in England. Can you have this level of pageantry and ceremony? And then I watch a video like that, and I think, you know, they may be right. Only in England oh, would this hey. happen where the show must go on. If there's a member of the royal family around and you're playing anywhere, then someone, your entire front row, your, your entire horn section could die right there on the site. Drag and you him play, out of here. You play without them, you step over them, you <laughs> get them out of there, and you play for that member of the royal family. Oh, man. I... I just don't understand that at all. The pomp and circumstance, the pageantry. Dude can be dying. Doesn't matter. Keep it going. Show must go on. <laughs> Show goes on. Hour number three straight ahead. Plenty of PGA Live discussion and a big college event. But you can't stand next to anyone at the White House today.